Alrighty. Welcome back to episode 20 of the podcast, a show all about pets, veterinary medicine, and all things animals. I am your host, Dr. Lauren, veterinarian, internal medicine specialist, and... And I am the self-proclaimed co-host with the most, David, Lauren's husband. I'm an animal lover, actor, and voice actor, and I am just here to provide a little bit of the the layman's perspective to this podcast. He really wanted to use the co-host with the most, I think. He practiced it before we did started I? Did it sound like I did? <laughs> okay, co-host with the most. Um, I think there's some trivia. Oh, we should probably tell you what's on today's show. So, as per usual, we do a little trivia, we do a little in-the-news story, and then this episode, we're having one of our Ask the Vets. So, I reached out to you on the podcast and Tiny Vet Instagrams. You wrote in some amazing questions. We got some good variety of questions, some really fun ones today. And we'll close it up, as per usual, with some trivia. So, with that said, David, want to give our listeners their answer to last week's trivia question? I sure do. And we did have uh, a fun little variety. I think, you know, people people have they've been through the whole multiple choice thing. So this was our first fill in the blanks trivia. And we asked you, audience, for two animal names. Blank intentionally handle toxic blank to get high. So we were looking for two animal <laughs> names. And the answer was, dolphins use toxic pufferfish to get high. That's right. Dolphins deliberately handle pufferfish, causing them to release toxins as a defense mechanism. Now, these toxins, they can be deadly in high doses, but also have a slight narcotic effect. Um, So they're also considered a powerful hallucinogenic, which dolphins appear to enjoy. So a documentary was recently witnessing them passing around pufferfish in a pod of dolphins. And before floating just underneath the water surface, it looked like the dolphins were kind of mesmerized by their own reflections afterwards, which is really crazy. That is weird. Um, but actually, this, is this again, is, is another uh, fun fact about pufferfish. So they, the toxin that they are carrying yeah. is something called— We have to learn this in vet school, actually. Yeah? yeah. Tetrodoxin? Yeah. I think it's tetro— yeah, tetradoxin, yeah. Tetradoxin, yeah. It's a neurotoxin. So actually, to humans, it is 1,200 times more deadly than cyanide. And uh, there's enough toxin in one pufferfish to kill 30 yeah. adult humans, which is crazy. What's even crazier about it is that pufferfish meat is actually considered a delicacy in Japan. Yeah. Um, it's called fugu. And... Very expensive. It's only prepared by licensed chefs who've had over three years of rigorous training to remove the toxic parts. Because if you it's screw up that contamination, yeah, you're you can be screwed. And yeah. there's no there's no na- known antidote mm-hmm. too. So you you eat one of those uh, toxic things, and I don't know if you're going to be having a dolphin experience. Yeah, that's scary. I don't think I'll be eating pufferfish anytime soon, even if it is prepared by one of those chefs. Like, eh, uh, you know, cost benefit. Yeah, I probably wouldn't even like it. Let's be real. No, oh, well, we were we were already just talking about gefilte fish. So now my my uh, my appetite for fish right now is is limited anyway. Yeah, I think let's steer away from the pufferfish. I, I know I was actually we were doing some sort of turtle experience in like Barbados, and 
this is a whole other story, but my dad, like, we were in the water and the people were just like, whatever you do, like, don't wave your hands in front of the turtles because they can, you know, they can, they'll get attracted to that and can try and bite you. And, like, my dad, sure enough, goes into the water and, like, literally tries to murder me. He, like, got so scared of the turtles. He was waving his hands frantically, like, used me as a human shield. But there was a puffer fish there, too. And there was, like, a puffer fish right where, where the turtles were. And I was more terrified of the puffer fish because I was like, if that stings or poisons or gets scared... So yeah, pepperfish are no. But no, no turtles snapped, and no. Well, the turtle was like trying to snap at my dad, and then yeah, he used his daughter as a human shield. So. Well, you still have your. You still have all your. your I fingers. was fine. You're good. I was fine. Okay, more David. Wow, we have a whole episode of David telling me stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, this is. Are we talking about the news? Now? Yeah, we're into the news. I think. So this is actually pretty cool. For the first time in seventy years. Cheetahs are back in India. So we already have a known 7,000 cheetahs living in the plains of Africa. But as of 1952, they were declared extinct in India. And this was because of overhunting. So in late September, five males, three female cheetahs were flown from Namibia um, to India. This is the first ever translocation of an animal. And it was done to, to protect populations from know the localized catastrophes such as disease or or drought mm-hmm. um, or just reduced genetic diversity so this was what the prime minister of india has said about the situation so today the cheetah has returned to the soil of india the nature loving consciousness of india has also awakened with full force and we must not allow our efforts efforts to fail so they have hired some specialists to prevent poachers And those specialists, six German shepherds to patrol the grounds of the national park uh, to look and kind of extinguish these poachers. So they go through a seven-month training program. Extinguish the poachers. I I don't – maybe extinguish is not the right thing. But definitely uh, (laughs) – They're, like, attacking them and bringing them to the Well, they spend – these German shepherds, they are very skilled and specialized, and they spend seven months in a training program – to hone their tracking skills and obedience, similar to, I guess, like a canine unit. Yeah. But to look out for poachers to make sure that these eight cheetahs are not going to come to a quick I demise. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I guess I think of it, I'm like, what is a German shepherd going to do to prevent these poachers that a cheetah wouldn't do itself? I don't know. Like, I'd be interested in the training program. Interesting, but I, I don't know, like... <laughs> like, can I, they spot the guns before they... This is all questions that I, I wish I, I spoke to the prime <laughs> like minister you think, about. Like if I think of a cheetah versus a German shepherd, I'm like, yeah, cheetah's probably the more dangerous one. But like, what cheetah's is the more dangerous one. But then again, I, I don't know if if there's at least not in our knowledge can we train a cheetah to have that foresight, that obedience to be able to to notice. I mean, the guns or whatever it is. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I'm not a trainer. I'm just the news guy. Okay, it's pretty cool. Yeah, German shepherds. They're, they, I mean, shepherds are so smart. They have so many different you know, applications in law enforcement and all that, you know, um, in the armies and the police academies. When we were in vet school, one of our um, intro to vet school, one of the groups got to go and kind of see what happens with a shepherd takedown. Like they wore this like big dummy suit that was like fully padded and went, and then the police like were like, go, like targeted them. And then the shepherd like took them down. It was pretty cool. But they were wearing like a fully padded suit, obviously. Uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, like one of those sumo suits. Anyways, when we come back, we are going, I'm going to get a chance to talk because I think I've been too silent this episode. I think the audience have been loving it. <laughs> and we will do an Ask the Vet segment when we come back. 
Alrighty, and we are back with our Ask the Vet, aka me, aka Dr. Lauren. Um, got some great listener questions today. So, David, hit me. Yes, Lauren, this is your chance where you can talk now. So, oh, thank you for the permission. Here's the so here's your spotlight. You. Uh, so, this question comes from Taylor MMB. What treatment options are there for a dog with a possible ectopic ureter? Was that pronunciation? Yeah, that was good, actually. So first, obviously, I can tell by David's eyes that he doesn't know what an ectopic ureter is, so I will explain it first. So ureters are the tubes that connect the kidneys to the urinary bladder. So they basically transport pee when it's made by the kidneys down into the urinary bladder, and then you pee it out. And so this is a condition that I see, um, probably the most common urinary condition I see puppies for, where they're taken home from the breeder. And, you know, initially it's hard to tell because puppies aren't always trained, potty trained. So they might have accidents inside or pee or dribble here and there. But then they kind of start getting older and owners are like, okay, they're just dribbling constantly. Their bed's always soaked. Mm. They're basically incontinent. So they're not able to hold their pee. And so what can happen is that instead of those tubes going from the kidneys and entering the urinary bladder, one or more of those tubes can actually bypass the urinary bladder and go into the urethra which is the tube that connects the bladder to the outside world. So what can happen is you don't have that, it's not going into that storage bladder, it's bypassing it, and so urine's just constantly trickling out. Okay. And this is really common in like golden retrievers, we, it's most often breed, but we can see it in any puppy. And so the answer to this question is, the first thing is to diagnose it. Does it actually have an ectopic ureter? So sometimes we can see it on ultrasound. Sometimes we need like CT, like CAT, CAT scans. And other times it really requires scoping. Um, so putting a camera up the urinary system to diagnose. And it's one of my favorite procedures I get to do because the majority of these um, we can treat with a laser uh, laser. I have to, I have to <laughs> so that. it's my favorite thing to do because what happens if we identify it, it's o we can only really do it in a female dog easily. You can still do it in a male dog with laser. It's just more complicated. But basically we use a laser and we put that opening back into the bladder. So we just kind mm. of like laser up until it's back into the bladder where it should be. Um, in some cases, depending on the positioning of the ectopic ureter, we have to do it surgically with an open approach, uh, particularly um, in male dogs. Sometimes that that's the only option. But yeah, so there are minimally invasive ways to treat this. And it's super rewarding because oftentimes, you know, you do the laser procedure and you, they stay in hospital overnight and like there's no more dribbling, which mm. is great. Um, so it's a really cool procedure and I love it. So it's a quick fix. It can be yeah, perfect. but it can, it can be, um, but oftentimes they still need medications to help with urinary incontinence in the future, um, just because sometimes there are other issues that go along with it, like having a weak sphincter and things like that. But in general, it can be really re rewarding, but obviously the laser can be quite expensive. The laser, so that can be rewarding, not a loose sphincter. The loose sphincter. Not as rewarding. Yeah, not as rewarding. <laughs> and they often occur together. So that is the question. Octopic ears. I have lots of posts on my tiny vet about it. We can share some um, on the podcast. I have some videos of me lasering and stuff, which is pretty cool. Fantastic. Well, this one's from uh, Jenny Myers, a vet to be. Um, I started vet school and aced my midterms. Awesome, Jenny. Nice Good work, job, Jenny. How did you keep up your momentum? 
I guess the thing, um, whether it's vet school, university, residency, I mean, I think is you, you have to be, you have to have your eyes on the prize. Like at the end of the day, you have to remember what you're working so hard for. And I think the key is to just create a schedule for yourself, like, and also give yourself time to have breaks because mm. if you push yourself too hard, then you may burn out. And so the thing I had to realize very quickly in vet school is like, you know, I was, um, you know, I, I hold myself to a very high standard. Like I always got 4.0s, like Ooh, A, a pluses. Wow. But the thing is, then you get to vet school and everyone's an A plus student. Yeah. And so you kind of have to give yourself that opportunity to be like, it's okay that I didn't get over 90% on that exam. You know what? Like, you know, and, and honestly, I know you're laughing at me I'm, because no, I'm you're... Just, I, I'm in disbelief <laughs> that there's no chance you didn't get a, a 100% and, like, we're happy about it. There's no way. I mean, I did well in vet school, I will say. But there were times that I didn't do well. And I said, you know what? It averages out. It's okay. This may not be my mm -hmm. strongest point. But, and I did. I, it was a learning curve for me and also a learning curve to be like, I need to take that time. And during residency as well to, like really detox from studying and allow yourself to have those mental health breaks. Well, that's, that's great. Yeah. Well, hopefully Jenny, keep it up. Um, and I guess would you say winning the battle, but also having the idea that. Yeah. It's not just it's about the good grades. It's about one. being a good doctor, I think in the end too. So you have to remember that. Uh, mm. D's get degrees. <laughs> D's get degrees. <laughs> Uh, this question is from a familiar, familiar name and face to the podcast from Doctor. Maybe C's. C's get degrees. I don't know. <laughs> D's do get degrees. They do. Because F's don't. Yeah, F's don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is from a famous friend of the podcast, Doctor Christie. Doctor Christie says, "If you could repick a specialty, what would it be?" Not going to be an internal specialist. What would it's it be? It's a hard mean? one because I do think internal medicine is one of the hardest specialties because, you know, we're often the first ones there, the last one to leave. We have a ton of paperwork. A lot of what we do is using our brain and you don't always get paid for that. You know, a lot of these other specialties that are very procedural based like surgery, you know, you're very busy and you're doing a lot, but you're also like getting paid a lot for that. So it's hard because I could spend four hours on a consultation and if the owners don't decide to do anything, all I get is my consult fee. So mm. it can be really disheartening in a way, but I do like for me playing Dr. House, finding the puzzles, like I don't truly know that I'd be do happy doing anything else. But in terms of another specialty, like I guess for me, like if I think about quality of life from another specialty, the ophthalmologists and the dermatologists definitely have, I would say a better quality of life. Their hours are a bit better. I mean, derm emergencies, derm emergencies, as we call them, are few and far between. Right. So, you know, they're not generally on call. Um, but I could never do derm. Ter derm to me is like one of the hardest specialties because of owner compliance with what you're recommending. And so it's so hard. So maybe I, I might say ophthalmology. Okay. Because it's really cool. And I do think you see a variety of different things. And as someone and who's got some eye issues of their own, I feel like you could <laughs> you could resonate. Yeah. And you see these big rewards like, you know, cataract surgery in dogs. They go from not being able to see anything to then waking up being able to see. Like there's some big rewards. They still get to do a lot of surgery, a lot of procedures. And the eyes are truly the windows to like the rest of the body. So hmm. they often reflect systemic disease. So maybe optho, I would say. But I do like a good dirty ear, a good stinky oh dirty God. ear. I do. I, I'm, like, I'm like gagging thinking about it. I'm actually, I'm, it's angering me because I remember when we first started dating and you would like pick Joey's ear and mouth and I would be gagging and then you would like wiggle your finger in my face. I was like, I, I actually, why are we sitting here right now? How do I have a wedding ring on my hand? 
awesome. It makes me angry that I you did that. I really, my team knows, like, if a dog comes in with a dirty ear, like, I just want to <sighs> clean it so bad. Like, I love a good Cocker Spaniel dirty, stinky ear, which is, like, most people would, like. Next be- question. <laughs> Ready for the What is one thing pet owners <sighs> can do to improve their pet's health? At home. At home. Um, wow, that's a hard one. At home to improve your pet's health. I mean, I think exercise, diet are huge. Mm-hmm. You know, feeding them a good quality food, um, which we're going to talk about in um, an episode soon. Um, we're going to talk to a veterinary technician who's like a... Um, Nutrition master. Yes. Um, exercise, so regular exercise. But... If we're going to talk about like preventative care at home, oh, I'm I'm like not the best listener to my own advice, but probably brushing your dog's teeth <laughs> is probably the number one thing you could do like from a health perspective. Because mm-hmm. um, the teeth, you know, a lot of bacteria that they're swallowing constantly. The can teeth affect are the organs. window to the rest of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But yeah, probably brushing your dog's teeth is one of the few things you can do at home that could really benefit them. Just like with us, it's like flossing every day. You know, our dentists tell us that floss every day and you can add two years to your life. Is that, did they say that? I've heard that at some point in my life, I think. You floss every day. I I, do. I actually have started flossing every day. Yeah. But I don't use an electric toothbrush. So that's, maybe I'm taking that two years and cutting it in half. Yes. Um, all right. Um, another question. This one comes in from the friendly vet. Friendly vet, Marcus. an underrated tip to get the most of our dog's senior years. Underrate, uh, underrated tip to get the most of your dog's senior years. I mean, I think for me, this one is just, if they're not acting like a senior, don't treat them like a senior. You know, like we still, you know, our dog is 10 years old, Joey. He's comes on long walks, specific spirit, which is like a park with us. We go on hikes. Um travel chasing with squirrels yeah, chasing, chasing squirrels yeah, but travel with your dogs you know let them see the world uh don't leave them at the boarding facility if you're going somewhere where you can bring them maybe you know um joey lived with me in hawaii and i think that was some of the best times of his life just well it changed like it was it was going from squirrel chasing to geckos he Gecko fell in chasing. love with geckos yeah he loved geckos um so yeah travel with them show them the world you know um just give them those experiences so that you don't look back and regret regret mm. it. Yeah. Um, while we're on, okay, one more question before we go back to this uh, friendly vet. Walter the rescue dog asks, pet insurance, accident and illness only, or include a wellness plan if you are on a budget? Well, Walter the dog, let me just say congratulations on not giving me the option of yes or no pet insurance because as everyone knows my stance is pro pet insurance (laughs) so you're clearly already understanding that pet insurance is needed and you clearly understand that you know the accident and illness is kind of baseline but what you're asking is in addition to accident and illness should you do wellness and I think that's really I mean that's a bit of a hard question you are going to spend money on wellness visits um, you know at least annual wellness visits for physical exam and sometimes blood work. Um, but if money's tight, I would probably say focus uh, the money on accident and illness because that's where the big bills are going to be is when your dog's sick, that's when you're, you're going to rack up the thousands and thousands I, of I, dollars. Just a, a question for from me and from maybe some of our listeners who don't know a wellness plan. Is that including like dog massages and <laughs> acupuncture? What is that? Yeah, wellness visits for dogs. We're basically, mainly talking about like 
preventative, like oral health care, like, you okay. know, dentals, like routine dentals that aren't indicated for like a fractured tooth, for instance, just like routine dental care, routine vaccines, um, deworming, things like that. Like so we're some not of the talking stuff, about cupping. No, Which we're talking about cupping. we're talking about preventative care mostly. So it really depends. <laughs> I wish I wish our audience could see the eyes that are rolled from our producer constantly when I say things. I just like <laughs> glaze just... over David saying cup pupping. Oh my god! Oh god! All right. So let's, let's... it really depends. Depends on the cost difference. I would say if there's a big cost difference, just stick with your accident or illness care. And lastly, friendly vet coming in with yet another question: What fictional character would win your vote for president? I mean, I think this is an easy one. I know who it David is. David knows who it is because I'm obsessed with this fictional character. Um, do you, do you want to actually, David? Do you want to? Well, tell, <sighs> say say her name on the show. Dun dum, Olivia Benson. Yes, Detective Olivia Benson, SVU, is like my favorite character of all time. I'm obsessed with her. I love her. She's just so badass. She's a female in charge. She fights for women and children she fights for equality she's just like the coolest character that was actually my vet school interview or my residency interview they asked me like if you could be any fictional character who who would you be and it was detective olivia benson so mariska if yeah. you're listening to this you have a very good shot of knocking me out of the co-host seat if you <laughs> if you so inclined yes mariska please <laughs> be my friend i love you all right. I think that's it. Any questions or that's it? That's the end. That's the end of that uh, Ask the Vet segment. Back Continue for to send in your questions. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to ask the vet. Ask the vet. And when we come back, we're just going to ask you our last segment, trivia questions. We are back with some animal trivia to say goodbye to this episode. Which animal can go deaf from their own calls? Is it a wolf, a howler monkey, a rooster, or a kokui frog? I don't know the answer to that, but it seems like a like opposite of Darwin there. Go deaf from your own voice. This, it might be a slight <laughs> trick question. Okay. Just, just stay tuned for the next episode. Yeah, David Epstein goes deaf from his own singing. <laughs> Or I go deaf from his singing, like in the car on the way here when he was trying to warm up his vocals. <laughs> it was, I mean, one of us has to sound like Morgan Freeman on this podcast. As I said, you will never sound like Morgan Freeman. The supportive wife that I have. All righty. That's it for today's show. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can find us wherever you download your podcasts. Um, make sure to follow us on our Instagram at podcast TV and feel free to inter interview. Feel free to uh, send us in your questions, anything you might have uh, or any, anything you want to hear from us on future episodes. We're always open to ideas. All right. Until next week, I'm Dr. Lauren. I'm David. And this is, is the, the podcast. podcast. Wow. It's like baby tiger, baby lion. That was a cheetah. <laughs> <laughs>